just nice to be with someone that there's such a mutual respect between each other that we can, I don't know, see through the same lens and support each other. Welcome back to Let It Out. If you are new to the podcast, I'm so glad you found it. Thank you so much for listening. If not, welcome back. Maybe you've been listening just a couple weeks. Maybe you've been listening for six years. I've been hosting this podcast for what feels like forever. I don't remember when I didn't have a podcast. I started this in 2013 before I even really knew what podcasts were. And I definitely didn't know they would be such a huge part of my life. And today I have two podcast hosts on the podcast. (laughs) Anyway, I have a great episode. I want to get to it as quickly as possible. This is a new season. The podcast was on a very brief three week, less than three weeks, because I put out a podcast in the middle of the break, a two week break. And now we're back back with a great episode today with ESPN personality, two-time author Kate Fagan and world-famous yoga teacher and author and speaker, the wonderful Catherine Budig, who I've been following for years. They host this podcast called Free Cookies, which I love and I gush about. Maybe a little bit too much even in this episode with them, but we had a delightful conversation where we really focused on talking about love and relationships and communication and connection. And we also talk about yoga and body image and writing and travel. We talk about ritual and life optimization. I'm someone who definitely struggles with trying to constantly life optimize, meaning not just picking a restaurant, but going on Yelp and Foursquare and finding the best restaurant. (laughs) And that can be stressful. We talk about that, talk about all sorts of things. If you haven't listened to their podcast, Free Cookies, subscribe immediately. It's so wonderful. Again, we talk about it a bunch, but speaking of podcasting, that brings me to an array of housekeeping things that I want to let you guys know about before I get into today's episode. As you know, I love this medium. Maybe you don't know if you're new, but I do. I love podcasting so much. And since I've been doing it for six years, I started in 2017, podcast advising, helping other people start podcasts. And then this winter, I went into a cocoon and I created a digital workshop of sorts where I interviewed a dozen other podcasters, including Jess Lively, Jessica Bernan, the host of the One Part Plant podcast, Christy Harrison, host of Food Psych, the girls from Almost 30, all the other podcasters in my world, dozens of them. And I created a workshop to help other people start podcasting because I want to help anyone who wants to have a podcast, have a podcast. And if I can help, I would like to do that because when I started, I was very overwhelmed by the RSS feed and the technology and getting it to iTunes and all the things. And I figured it out. So I want to help other people. So if you do want to sign up for that, it's 
happening right now. It's going to start at the end of the month, at the end of October, if you're listening to this the day it comes out. And sign up today if you already know you want to sign up because there's an early word special if you sign up today, the 17th. But either way, just do a little course tour. I'm giving away the first two modules of the podcasting workshop. It's called Let a Podcast Out. You can do them for free. So just check them out and that will help you at least jumpstart your podcast idea. And you can do that for free and you don't have to pay for anything. So just check that out. That's one housekeeping thing. The others, I'll just tell you after this. So this intro doesn't have to be super long, but I just want to give a big congratulations to our guests today, Catherine and Kate, because they got married since we recorded this episode. And I'm really happy for them. I loved seeing their wedding photos on Instagram, and I'm just really happy for them. So congratulations to Catherine and Kate on their wedding, and you'll get to hear them talk about how their relationship began and give some relationship advice that's really special in this episode. So let's get to that. And then one more congratulations, Amanda, who's my friend and my producer and my collaborator of this podcast. She had a baby during the break. Penelope was born. She's super tiny. She's like four pounds. Maybe she's more now. Hopefully she's more now. But she's super tiny and beautiful. And I'm just so happy for Amanda. So I wanted to give a big congratulations to her and to Catherine and Kate. And I'll talk to you more after this episode. But for now, enjoy and I'll talk to you soon. I love that with this podcast, I get to recommend companies and products that I genuinely use and love, and then offer you guys a discount on those products. Cara Vitamins is one of those products, and they, if you've been listening for a while, you know this, were one of my very first collaborators and sponsors of this podcast, and I still use them to this day. What is Care of? They're a monthly subscription vitamin service that is made from effective quality ingredients, and they personalize vitamin packs to your specific needs. You go to their website, which is linked in the show notes. You take a fun, short quiz that asks you questions about your diet, your health goals, your sleep, your lifestyle choices. And from there, it curates vitamins specifically for you because 90% of people fall short of the FDA's recommended guidelines for the vitamins and nutrients that you need. And Care Of will help you discover where you're maybe lacking some vitamins and nutrients and where you can amp things up because it's the fall, it's back to school season, maybe you're shuffling kids around, maybe you're going to study groups yourself. Care of can make sure you stay on track of your health goals and keep your immune system really strong because you know, whether we like it or not, winter is coming. Fall is just the appetizer for winter and you might want to give your immune system a little extra boost. That's what I'm doing. And, you know, I'll take whatever I can get. So with the colder months coming, I don't want to get sick. So I'm really making sure I don't miss a day with my vitamins. There's even an app with Care of where you can track taking your vitamins. I'm taking their probiotic. I'm taking something for stress, something for sleep. You can combat stress and stay healthy by adding in some supplements for energy, stress reduction, sleep. Just you add them into your routine. It's actually pretty fun to take them because they come in this personalized container that's beautifully packaged. I love their packaging and branding so much. 
and I love them for traveling because I can easily just stick them in my bag. They're great. I think you guys will really like them. Go to their website, check them out. They even have these quick stick powders that can be added for a little extra energy boost. I've been really liking that. So check them out. I think you'll really like them for 25% off your first month of personalized Cara vitamins. Visit takecareof.com and enter the code Katie at checkout. That's K-A-T-I-E. It's my name at checkout. So again, that's for 25% off your first month of personalized Cara vitamins. Visit takecareof.com and enter the code Katie at checkout. Listen, you guys, I've never been so excited to tell you about a new brand, a sponsor of the podcast, if you will, ever. I've been looking forward to telling you about Altera Pure for a couple weeks now. They sent me some sheets and honestly, I've been excited to go to bed. (laughs) They are a textile system designed to change the way you think about organic bedding. And let me tell you, They actually have. This sounds like just a really good ad, but honestly, I just, I don't know if I've never had great sheets before or what, but this product is better than anything I've ever had. I'm so excited about it. I I want you guys to try it just so I can gush with someone else about this bedding. They are these cool, crisp sheets. I feel like I'm in a luxurious hotel every time I climb into my bed. Somehow they're warm and cocoon-like and also they keep me cool at night, but I don't get too cold at night. I just can't even explain how lovely they are. I just really want you to try them because I've had such a great experience to them. They're the top line of bedding. They're a 310 thread count sheet made of 100% verified organic cotton. I got on the phone with them and talked about their company, which was lovely. I think when there's great people that work at a company, it makes the products better. I don't know. That's just me. They call themselves a farm to fabric business, and they assure environmental and social responsibility through their deliberate design, organic verification. They have fair trade partnerships with farms and co-ops. And honestly, their packaging is really lovely. They use this upcycled scrap cotton and recycled paper. I love that all the sheets and pillowcases are oversized and I have this beautiful duvet cover now. I'm gonna take a photo and I'm gonna show you guys. I just think you should try them. I really do. I love them so much and I love the integrity of the brand. And I just really love the product. It may I honestly get excited to go to sleep because not just because I'm tired, but because my bedding is so lovely. Use the discount code Let It Out to get 15% off your entire order. That's 15% off your order using the code Let It Out. And you know, you can just use that one time. They just for your first order only. But again, the link in the show notes will take you right to Altera's website and use the code let it out for 15 off. 15% off, that is. I really, really, really love this product so much, and I hope you guys try it. Well, thank you again so much for doing this. I'm a huge fan of both of you individually and together as a couple and co-hosts of the best 
podcast, Free Cookies. I love it so, so much. I've been listening since the beginning. And, you know, Catherine, as a fellow yoga teacher and wellness junkie and longtime follower of yours, it really hits a lot of notes. And then Kate, as a basketball fan and an oatmeal raisin cookie fan, you know, all of it just the entire package checks a lot of boxes for me. So thank you guys for your work. (laughs) Wait, what kind of basketball fan are you? Well, my grandfather coached basketball at um, Michigan State University and he recruited Magic Johnson. So ever since I was a kid, I've been a college basketball fan. That's a pretty big claim to fame. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. In in our little small town, I grew up in this college town, Everyone knows him. And he actually traveled with the team doing the radio until last year. He's 96. So he was still going to all the games and traveling. And they like had a basically like a student who was like in charge of him because he was so old and didn't really know what was going on. But Wait, so did you grow up in East Lansing? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I've just kind of always been around basketball, not player but I except when I was like a very little kid but the only time I made a basket was for the other team so I was not very good <laughs> so not really your calling but, that, but can't, okay. that can't be the only time you made a basket you it's the only time I remember but that's probably just because it was very memorable <laughs> it was very emotionally scarring yeah I thought they were saying go 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 and I was like I'm totally open I'm gonna like do this layup and then I know no no and exactly yeah 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 Yeah. Anyway, not my thing. (laughs) Okay. So let's start at the beginning. This is not about me. This is about you guys. How did you guys meet? And yeah, let's start there. We met at the ESPNW summit where Kate was talking. And this is when I used to be sponsored by Under Armour and they had me there to lead yoga classes for the summit. Yeah. And the ESPNW summit is like a yearly event that ESPN's uh, women's sports female athlete brand puts on and brings in a lot of female athletes and like big wigs from the business world to talk about the state of female athletics. And so I was moderating a lot of panels and then also doing the yoga in the morning. And we, she, Catherine was there a couple of years in a row and we connected the first year, but we didn't hang out. We didn't really get to know each other. And then the second year we spent a little bit more time together. And then we exchanged numbers and started talking throughout the fall after, after that summit. So that was the, that was the beginning, the origin <laughs> of us. Something I'm always curious about, cause I, I do this not so much anymore, but I, I do this with my boyfriend a lot. Like I always love, I even did this like with my, my old boss, like when I had a, had a boss of like, well, what did you think when uh, during the interview and what did you think then? And like, do you guys ever do that in relationships? Like reflect on the beginning of the relationship now that you've, you know, you're people with each other, you're like each other's person. Oh yeah. Yeah. We love doing that. I mean, I think it's every three months you're like, wait, so tell me again what you thought when you met me. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Until you poke fun at each other a little bit at the way we behaved in the very beginning when we didn't know each other, we were trying to be impressive or We like to deconstruct a lot of things. And one of those things is our origin story and ourselves and our relationship. So it comes with, I guess, the territory when you're, I guess I'm a writer, journalist and and Catherine as well. So yes, deconstructing things is in our DNA. (laughs) Yeah, it's so fun. And I wonder, I guess it, I always have questioned myself because I do it so often. If it 
takes me out of being present, but I, I don't know. I think it's really fun and interesting and yeah, I don't know. I'm glad I'm not alone. I don't think it's a lack of presence. I think that's, it's just a very human nature. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm, I'm more curious than people who don't do that after the fact, like want to deconstruct the social engagement or a meeting or any part of the social contract that we all have with each other. I think what it leads me to do more often sometimes is if you, if you're really going down the path of deconstructing events or interactions, like, I guess you can't help, but then be like criticized sometimes too, right? Because you want, you pull the positive from, it and then you pull the negative from it. And sometimes you can get inside your own head about deconstructing things. I think for me, that can be the downside of it. Yeah. It's like a slippery slope of kind of how far down you want to go with it. So how far into your relationship did you decide that you wanted to collaborate creatively? I think we started, was it about a year and a half after we were together? I think. Yeah. I think we kind of always had the idea that we wanted to do a podcast together because Catherine had wanted to start one and free cookies ended up looking like it did and does in a lot of ways because I work for ESPN. And so from a media perspective, that's, we wanted to create something that could exist in that world too. Cause I'm not just free to go around doing whatever media I want to do, but yeah, it was probably about a year, year and a half in. And I don't know what the impetus was. It wasn't like, we're like, we're so great together that we need to share this with the world. That really wasn't it. It was the, more, the impetus is we love to deconstruct and we talk about things all the yeah, time. Yeah. And that we <laughs> clearly think we're very interesting, I guess. It, it was just, we love ideas. I mean, that's the whole concept of free cookies is that the cookies are little nuggets of knowledge and ideas and thoughts and creating a, a platform to be able to do that. And it probably wouldn't have been structured in the way that it was because if it hadn't been for ESPN, yeah. it wouldn't have been so compartmentalized with this is sports and this is wellness. But we definitely had to kind of fit into the branding of that. And for anyone who's listened to season two of our podcast, they probably noticed since we've taken ownership over it that the themes have definitely morphed into a much broader right non-sports and we swear a lot we do we swear a lot (laughs) which i love i love the broaderness and this and the swearing yeah (laughs) what i love about it i think is that it is so diverse and like i never know what i'm going to get but i trust (laughs) you two as hosts and people that i know it's going to be good oh yeah my favorite part of, of free cookies is the dynamic between the two of you and Specifically, you know, when you talk about your relationship and, you know, how the two of you communicate, I remember an episode somewhat recently where you discussed a recent, not really fight, but like uncomfortable moment you had in your relationship that resulted in like an icy Whole Foods trip. And I sent that to my boyfriend and it helped me so much to see a couple that I admire so much had an uncomfortable moment, just like I do, and how you guys navigated it. And it's, you know, in theory, I'm sure that all couples I admire have negative moments or have moments that are uncomfortable and navigate them in some way. But of course, like with social media, you really only see the highlights or even on podcasts where, you know, you mostly show the the positive things. So it was so great that you guys shared that. So how do you navigate communication being in a relationship what are some of your top communication tips or strategies cookies if you will (laughs) 
cookies. Well, we just take the dogs on a walk and we argue and argue and we're not allowed to come home until we've resolved everything. <laughs> I, I mean, God, I wish we had, I wish we were to the point in our relationship. golden rules. Yeah, where we, <laughs> where we could say that we have like these great takeaways. I mean, we're, we're still trying to figure out how the other person wants to be communicated with best because we, we have different styles. Yeah. I think the number one rule that we both probably lean into, whether or not we realize it, is just taking that breath after we've said whatever we need to say to feel secure about our own identity as an individual, is to remember that we're on the same team with each other. Because mm -hmm. we'll reach that point where we both kind of look at each other and it's like, but I love you. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, what is, why are we getting into it in this way? And I think the other thing too, it's that people seem to forget too, is like if you marry someone or you live with someone or you cohabitate with someone, you're going to fight. It's just, it's, I don't necessarily mean, you know, throwing pots and pans and tiny dogs, but like it's, you are definitely going to get into arguments with each other and it's part of the natural process of being with another human. So I don't necessarily think that it, is some poor insight into what's happening between two individuals, of course, unless it's happening all day long. But I, I think that I argue more with Kate than I have in another relationship because I care more about what she thinks. I mean, she's the person that I've cared the most about in my entire life. So if I feel like she doesn't appreciate it or she doesn't approve or she thinks I'm being silly, I lash out 10 times harder because I need her approval that much more, which has been my insight. So it's, when we're fighting, I really need to step back and realize, okay, what is being triggered on my list of insecurities right now that's making me behave this way with her? Because, it, you know, it's always coming from you and then you come together and it's just a catastrophic little symphony of chaos. Wow, that was beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's kind of like relationships are mirrors and they can show, you know, where, where we're feeling small and where we need validation. And I think they're the biggest way to personal growth, you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have anything else you want to add to that, Kate? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think the hardest part for me is I'm coming to learn that I in the same way that when we have dinner with people or like we have some sort of social interaction, for some reason, I feel 100% responsible for that interaction. Like, cause I, I guess I don't trust that anyone else is going to take responsibility for it. So I, even me, even the well, no, I think, no, I know you will help me with it, but <laughs> I relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're, you're hosting this episode right now and I feel a lot less responsibility for it to go well than I would if it were me hosting the podcast. But I often feel that way when we go out to dinner with people yeah. that if there's an odd moment or a pause, like I feel the full weight of that awkwardness and responsibility. And I think that to me, that is part of the reason it relates to the relationship question is because I also, when I can sense that something's wrong in like between the two of us, I'm not okay with just like letting it run its natural course. Mm -hmm. Whereas Catherine's probably more okay with just going throughout the day and then she'll address it when she's ready. Whereas I can't live my life if I, and it's not, it's, that's not a healthy thing. If I, unless I'm like, look, we need to fix this right now yeah. because otherwise I feel that level of anxiety throughout the day. And I don't want to feel that. And, and like, that's a really hard place for us because mm -hmm. I think, 
it's mean of her when she knows that I'm going to have like a terrible anxiety ridden day and she's just going to take her own time and we'll dress it when she's ready. Right. Like that's hard for me. But at the same time, if I'm an independent human, I shouldn't be relying on everything to be copacetic in all of my relationships in order to live my life normally. So that's kind of, I think our biggest communication style issue and kind of just the difference in our personality that as we move forward, we have to like figure out a good game plan where Catherine doesn't feel like I'm forcing her into a conversation before she's ready, but she doesn't poison me with anxiety for a whole day. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Find that like middle ground. Yeah. Yeah. That you, that came up in the episode I was telling you about where you talked about your trip to Whole Foods, where this was kind Mm -hmm. of happening. And I got so many nuggets from, from that conversation, which I, I mentioned, I sent to Nick because I'm, I'm like you, Kate, in the sense of wanting to resolve it right away. Like I want to push through and get it over, over with is probably not a great word to talk about these discussions because I just want to go back to being normal and cozy and snuggling. And I just want to get there where it's not that I want to rush through it, but it's, it's not that I want to rush through it. <laughs> like it's that I want it. I want things to be okay again instantly where that might not be Catherine's process. It sounds like, or my boyfriend's process and just having to, my therapist told me that I'm really uncomfortable with being uncomfortable and me trying to be more okay with learning someone else's process where, you know, another thing you said in that, Catherine, was that you wanted to wait until you were not hungry and you were (laughs) like able to be present and have the conversation. And that's another thing too. Like sometimes I just ignore those things that are, will make the conversation more sane in lieu of just getting it over with. And so I don't know, I just learned so much from, from both of you in that. Yeah. The idea of like being hungry or not hungry, like to me never enters my mind. Like it's such it enters my mind every minute well, of every day. It just it's such a small thing compared to feeling insecure about the most important relationship in your life, right? Like yeah. so burn. What do you mean? <laughs> How is that a burn? It, it doesn't value to my food. No, no, no. I'm saying the the pain of being hungry to me is really minuscule compared to like the anxiety of thinking we're not okay. It's not a hunger pain thing. It's a knowing what pain. kind of words that will come out yeah. of me experiencing. The well, yeah, because I, I don't know if you guys have read this study about, um, parole boards before lunch and after lunch and the differences in whether you're likely to get parole or not. There's a huge mm. difference. in if your parole comes up after lunch, that's interesting. And it, I, I, it obviously like, cause you're just, you get hangry and you yeah. get like impatient. And so you're less likely to like to want to probe and listen to, you know, what's happening. If this is a seriously, if we're talking about the parole board, when you're hungry. So it makes sense in that I, you would rather be fed before we engage in some sort of conversation because you might be more charitable to me. Exactly. Yeah. I related to both of those things because my tendency is to not want to deal with my physical body and just be like a brain in a jar. But I know that if I do, I will be able to be more present and be more sane. And so, yeah, oh. it was it was just such a... I'm going to link to that in the show notes because that whole... The episode was great. I think it was your episode with Esther Perel, or maybe it wasn't. Yeah, that episode was definitely our biggest hit. But then again, Esther Perel, I don't think there's anything much more interesting than yeah. talking to Esther Perel. Yeah. Well, she was she was amazing. Or I think that that might have been a different episode. I think it was with Jane of Child that you talk about. The Esther Perel episode is amazing and fantastic, and everyone should listen to it. So speaking of, with you being vulnerable with each other, 
How do you decide what to share and what to keep private in your relationship? How do you handle that? I don't know that we know yet because I think we, we recognize that it's really nice to hear kind of an unvarnished version of two people. And I'm not saying we're like, we're at a place where we're like fully offering that, you know, cause I think that's almost impossible to not, when a mic is on, it's certainly less right. invasive than a TV camera being on, but you still know something is on and recording. And so you're, you're, you're aware that it's for some level of consumption by others. And I think what we're realizing is that the more we do that, the more we're like being honest about our own relationship, the more than on the car ride home, like you're like, I didn't know you felt that way. Like, you know, and <laughs> even if it's just some snippet of like a real feeling or a real truth, and if it's coming out on the podcast, like that's not super great for the relationship, you know? Yeah. And I don't know if the I don't know if people who listen to the podcast can tell, but there's a difference between something we've worked through and then something that comes up during the yeah. podcast. Like if there's something we've worked through and then we both have gotten to the other side of it and then we're sharing it on the podcast, that's a very different feeling than if it's the first time you're hearing something on the podcast. That kind of feels like if somebody says something in front of a friend for the first time about you, you're like, whoa. So that's when I think that's where we're still trying to figure it out because we certainly don't want the podcast to be leading to like long car rides home. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just not like, that's not the point of the podcast really. Although, you know, then we're like, well, maybe if that was really true and unvarnished, that's good for people, but is it really good for us? I don't know. Well, and if that's the only interpretation of us that they're going to get, I mean, we're, we have an episode that we're debating if we want to release it or not, because a lot of stuff came up during it that was unplanned and maybe didn't come across in the way that I really wanted it to. And while it may have been honest and it really happened, I'm also just like, I don't know if I want to share that and have people have their own interpretation of us judging from the way that we sounded in that episode. You know, and I mean, that's the... Now you probably want to listen to that episode. Well, it's the <laughs> of being in a relationship when you're co-hosting something. And also when you're co-hosting something, everything is heightened because it is, there's the performative aspect. So I also find that sometimes we'll say things in a slightly more performative way that is actually quite delicate, that we don't really mean it in that heightened way, but because we're already in podcasting modes, it, it, we just kind of put an extra, you know, frill on it. And then afterwards it's like, oh shit, I didn't really, I was just kind of playing, going with the joke or the, like, I don't really feel that way as much as I said, it's, it's complicated. Yeah, I can imagine it being both really great and also being complicated, like you said. Do you have moments where you, I'm sure this happens where you get ideas of things that you want to bring to the podcast, but do you have moments where each of you want to shut it off and just be together? Has that had to be a, a conversation to navigate? Like as in- Like actually during podcasting? No, no, no. Like in life of like, let's not mine our life for the podcast. Let's just be together. Have you had to like draw any lines like that? Not yet. We've gotten worn down by it. I mean, sure. there, there are certain conversations that we have privately about the world that we would never record, right? Like, I mean, you, you know, when you're with someone, you're like, okay, this is something I'm going to say that I would never say in front of people. Like, totally. And I think every relationship has those things. And right. so there are certain ways that we feel about how, like, what's going on in the world that 
we've done a run through some sort of equation and come out the other side, like the just the juice isn't worth the squeeze on that. Yeah. So I think that's more part of our equation right now than as much as it's been delicate around certain moments of talking about a relationship that maybe we should have talked about before we podcasted about it. I don't think it's reached a critical mass level on that where where we've had to like draw a line and hopefully it won't because I think we at this point have probably walked a good balance of hopefully being honest about a relationship, but not treating it like a therapy session for us either. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What's been your favorite part of doing the podcast? There's nothing like when we hit our sweet spot together when we're podcasting, like when we bring up a topic that's often, it can be really important. It can be really frivolous, but when we just get into our groove and make each other laugh, that's my favorite part. Yeah. It's it's really fun to make each other laugh and then build off of that with each other. And when we hit that spot, it's just, that's it, really fun. And that's the ideal point of the podcast is to to get into that flow and levity. And hopefully the, the listener gets to experience that with us. Yeah. I mean, I think my favorite part, I mean, it is, is that what Catherine said? And to add more context to it, I think the more we ahead of time if we're running ideas off of each other we're like well how about what if we frame the conversation this way or that way like sometimes that can be dicey because we each have some vision of where we want it to go and the other person's idea you're like oh we're not going to get to that place i want to go and so we're often then in like when we're planning things out even that can sometimes we've even turned to each other and been like Ah, like we don't we don't want to introduce this like extra level of stress where we're like producing something together as well. Mm-hmm. And so then I've like my absolute favorite is when Catherine doesn't tell me she wants to talk about something or I don't tell her I want to talk about something and then on the top of the show you just bring it up because then you're the mics are on and you like you make it work and then you realize, "Oh, that's really funny and I think people can relate to that, but if you would run it by me beforehand, I might have said, eh, I don't think that's going to work. And then you realize. And then we fight with each other because, oh, you don't like my ideas. I understand. (laughs) So I think I like it when we kind of spring ideas on each other because then it's more of like the reality of a conversation out with people where you just got to go with it, right? Like if somebody Mm -hmm. brings something up at dinner, you know, like, hey, guys, I was thinking about this. I'd be like, I don't think that's a good thing to talk about. You know, do that. And so when we, in the podcast, when we hit some topic where, you just got to go with it. And then it turns up getting to a good place or a really funny place, which is what I think we really like. We didn't intend to do a funny podcast and I don't know if it's funny, but we have fun doing it and I laugh doing it. And I don't, when we talked about the podcast two years ago, I wouldn't say that that was like, we want to do a funny podcast. So that's kind Mm -hmm. of a cool element that I think has been injected into it that I find really fortuitous that is happening and enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's presence. Like, that's why I love doing this podcast so much because you're forced to, the best part is when you get into that volley with someone and it's just, you're forced to be present. This is what we're talking about. This is happening and you can have things prepared as much as you want, but it's that presence that's required of, you know, just being with someone, not being on your phones, no distractions. It's kind of become a meditation in a way to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely agree. You two complement each other so well, and you have a lot in common, it seems like, but you've also taught each other a lot in in different ways and different arenas. So 
With that, I want to ask each of you, I'll start with you, Kate. What are some of the top things that you've learned from Catherine? So uh, there's like the tangible knowledge that she's passed along that from, you know, the world she's occupied over the last 15 years that has really been helpful for just the quality of my life, you know, and we can go down the line there of like things that I didn't do that I do now, like see the chiropractor and do yoga and like eat healthier and understand more about what is good for me and meditation and a lot of stuff that I think aren't, at least when I was coming up in the basketball world, weren't huge pieces of my life, even though more so now you could look at, you know, the NBA and there's vegans and there's meditation and there's yoga in a way that there wasn't before. But so there's that, the tangible element of like the life she's lived and the, and, and the world she's inhabited and like opening it up to me, which is always for people who've been in numerous relationships before finding the one, like that person you're with hopefully is opening up some different vision of the world to you. And then there's just, I've never been in a relationship before where I knew without a doubt that I wanted to be with that person. Every other one that I've started, there's like this part of me that's like, okay, you're here for now. And I've never felt that way with Catherine. Like even from the beginning, I was like, if this, if us meeting at the SPNW summit and then us talking and then if it ever got to the point where she was willing to say that we were in a relationship together, like I was like, I will, I will do everything in my power to make sure that, that that relationship is solid and we move forward together. And that kind of like commitment to someone and willing in the introduction of just Catherine being Catherine of like, I have to learn how to do things differently. And I have to step outside, you know, my belief that like, I've lived life a solid way and this must be the right way. Like you can't think that way when you're with someone who's it's more important to you that you survive together and that you grow together. I've never had to grow in that specific way before. So that part, you know, and that's not a very specific thing. I mean, I could talk to you about communication patterns like that. We've kind of already deconstructed, but like, that's the bigger thing is like being in a relationship that you want to thrive in and what that means about how you have to act. Mm. Yeah. Well, I love all of that. Catherine, what are your top things that you've learned from Kate? I mean, there's a, a lot of really great superficial things and then a lot of really deeper, lovely things too. I mean, on a superficial level, I never knew there was a sneakerhead culture that existed. And I know more about sneakers now than I ever thought. And the thing about sneakers... Possible is that they're like little stories because mm. so, they, they so, culturally like I can, emblematic. Yeah. So like when Catherine was first, when we were first dating, I, I know you didn't jump in on my answer, but I have to jump in on this answer. Get like, it, baby. When we were first together again, she didn't understand sneaker culture in any way. Like if I pointed out, I'm like, that's a Jordan three. And that came out in 1987. And that was a design by Tinker Hatfield. And Jordan was going to leave Nike. And then he came like every sneaker and so color pattern has a story behind it. And I think, was one of the great things, maybe it's representative of a bigger thing with the two of us is that Catherine wasn't like, oh, that's a basketball thing and I don't need to know it. Like, I think you like it now. I appreciate it. Yeah, for so sure. So you won't go all the way to like, you just appreciate? No, I think appreciate is a richer word than like. Cool. You Now carry on. Okay. <laughs> I love that. And I think you guys need to do an episode more about sneaker culture because I'm curious don't now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, will, it will happen at some point. Another thing that she's really turned me on to is coffee culture and 
the reason that I love that so much, aside from we really enjoy drinking lattes, is the this concept of ritual that comes along with it. Mm. And I love ritual in any format and just having the, the daily kind of ritual. And that's just something that no matter what's going on, we always start the day, whether we're home or whether on the road, because she will, you know, obsessively find the perfect place for us to go to, that that's how we begin our day together. And I just appreciate that she's so dedicated to that rhythm that I think is missing in my life often and a lot of people's lives. And it's just a really nice foundational way to check in with each other every day and, and have that moment that's just about us and our lattes and, and, and starting the day. So really appreciate that. And then, you know, there, there are levels like what she said about my backgrounds and, and yoga and her background in sports. And, you know, I've learned so much about just inclusivity and gender equality and all, all of the, th- the topics that she has tackled for so long in her career path that I knew about, but not to the depth or to the kind of intellectual eloquence that I would have wanted to, to express with. And sorry, I just got distracted because she's snapping at Ashi right now. No, it's Kiona. Kiona's like gnawing on her paw and I hate when she gnaws on her paw. So I was like (laughs) snapping at Kiona at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, you know, it's, and I, baby, I feel like I had this really like grand last thing that I was gonna. Was it part of the gender equality in sports? No, it definitely had nothing to do with gender equality in sports whatsoever. Oh, I know. I've, out of all the relationships that I've ever been in, I've never been in a relationship where I feel like we fully partner together. She's the best partner, like life partner buddy that I could ask for. Like, it's just really nice to feel like, oh, I'm not taking on 70% and she has the rest. You know, it it really feels like a 50-50, we do everything together. And if I make an effort, she comes back equally. And that's just, it's amazing. I didn't really think that was a real thing because I'm used to taking on like 90% in all the relationships that I've ever been in before. And mm. it's just nice to be with someone that there's such a mutual respect between each other that we can, I don't know, see through the same lens and support each other. And I love all of that. And I loved I loved the superficial things and the deep things. That was that was wonderful. I'm interrupting this episode to give you guys a special discount code for my workshop, Let a Podcast Out. Let a Podcast Out is something that I went into a cocoon this winter and I created. Many of you already know this, but it's an eight module workshop to help people start podcasts. I go through naming your podcast, coming up with a concept, interviewing, if that's something that you want to do, the technology I use, the equipment that I use, the exact email templates and Excel trackers I use to track guests and sponsors. And then we go through marketing your podcast, getting listeners to your podcast and monetizing your podcast. You can cover your costs and eventually make money from your podcast or just get ears on your podcast and make something that you're really proud of. I also interviewed over a dozen other podcasters, audio engineers, speaking coaches, people to help you make a really quality podcast. I love it. I love podcasting. I love helping other people start podcasts. And if you want to start a podcast, sign up 
today, if you're listening to this the day it comes out, because you can get the early bird special, but you have until the end of the month to sign up. You'll just save a little money if you sign up today. And you can save $50 if you use the code let it out. So that's just for you guys, just for listeners of the podcast. Use the code let it out for $50 off. And I'd love it if you checked out the workshop. You can get the first two modules for free, completely for free, and take a tour of the actual workshop. And, you know, you might as well do that just to check it out and see what you think of it. And let me know if you have any specific questions on podcasting. Email me. My email is katie at katiedoublet.com. I want to help you start a podcast if you have an idea and you want to start a podcast. At least sign up for the free two modules so you can get a gist of it and see what you think. And maybe that alone will help you to start your podcast. That's totally cool. I really just want to bring more people to the space that's given me so much. I think podcasting is the new networking. I've met so many friends and mentors through the guests of the podcast and also the people who listen to the podcast. I hope you check it out. It's at letapodcastout.club. The link is in the show notes and use the code let it out for $50 off. Okay, back to the episode. I really like the ritual and the, the coffee ritual. And you mentioned something about coffee culture and about, you know, Kate finding the best spot. And it reminded me of something that I would love for each of you to kind of talk about, I I often ask on this podcast about social media and your relationship to technology and how you both navigate that, which I would love to know. And, And speaking of that, you mentioned on one of your podcasts a while ago about life optimization. And I relate to you a lot, Kate, I think you were talking about finding the best place, not just one that's around the corner, but the best place for coffee with oat milk or the best restaurant or the best. And, you know, I live in New York City. I feel like decision fatigue and getting wrapped up in that can be so complicated. Do you guys have any advice for not trying to life optimize? Have you come to any resolution with that? And how do each of you handle your relationship with that and technology and social media? Well, not Ka- Catherine's media. not a life optimizer. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely something. Well, I mean, I mean not the, to the extent that you are. I mean, in the way of like yelping and like searching constantly to the point. I'm of, like, okay with making a choice and sticking with it, regardless of what other people have said. Like I will go to a movie, even if people say, even if Rotten Tomatoes is below 50%, she'll go to I don't movie. care if I want to see the movie, I want to see the movie. And I don't believe in a lot of other people. So why should I believe in what they think about a movie that I want to see? So I, I'm much more of like, I do, and I go to things regardless. Kate will change her mind very quickly if other people, which is part of the reason why I think to get into social media that Kate is regularly off Twitters because I find from watching you, Kate, is that the opinions of others highly sway you when you don't want to be swayed when it comes to Twitter. Yeah, well, Twitter's the only place where I find more of a community, and I don't mean community in a positive way, like a community of people who believe that their opinions are always right, as opposed to, I don't find that on Instagram as much. So to the question, and I know I'm jumping ahead here, like maybe they're intertwined technology and life optimization. Like I started finding on Twitter, not just like if I had, if I had to talk about a sports topic, Twitter would be a place where I'd be like, well, people, a lot of people say really smart things about, you know, whether Serena Williams should have yelled at a ref or not. 
on Twitter, you will find a vast array of opinions about that topic. But I happen to follow a majority of people who would have one opinion about that topic. And if I had an opposite opinion and I went on and I saw all of these smart but different opinions from mine, I, I feel that I would morph my opinion to some degree. And, and some of it wouldn't be that I don't have strong opinions. It would be this calculation I'm doing about, well, if that's the people that you know, that I want to be a part of the group, right? Like people for gender equality, people for LGBT, you know, inclusivity in sports, you know, if those people are saying that Serena was totally wrong, well then I want to be in their group, right? So anyway, I know I'm down a different path here, but because I found myself doing that, depending on other people's opinions, and the start of it was watching Adele at the Grammys and like thinking it wasn't that great and that something was wrong, and then not actually being able to believe that opinion until I went on Twitter and then like the people were like, yeah, her, her piano is out of tune. I just recognized that I didn't feel confident in my own opinions the way I would have five, 10 years ago. So all of that being like, I don't use Twitter anymore. Like I use it 3% of what I used to use it. And that's an equation I did on not just, is there positive value in Twitter? any positive value, but like, is there an overall positive to my life? And there isn't for Twitter. Whereas Instagram, I still feel overall that there's more of a positive value than a platform for your shoes. People love my shoes on Instagram and it's easier to put them out there. And on Twitter, that's not an easy way to get your sneakers out there. Um, but overall with social media, that's how, and in life optimization, that's how I try to handle it. Like not just, is it helpful that Yelp exists, but is it adding value to my life overall positive and not a lot of technology and social media? Do you, can you answer that question that yes, overall, this is better than the drawbacks. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you guys have any clear boundaries with social media? Like I went to dinner the other night and left my phone at home. Like did, do you guys ever do things like that? We're both pretty good about when we're around each other. We don't sit on social media in front of each other very yeah. much. It's not something that we do. When we go out to dinner, we don't have it. It's a pet peeve for both of us to oh, have yeah. the phone out at dinner. We will not. When and you know, I mean, we probably go out to dinner less now. We've we've cooked more at home, but when we're out to dinner together, you will never see the phones. You won't see us not talking to each other on each other's. No, phones. and and we won't even have the phones out unless there's some specific reason and even that like even that reason of like we're talking about something then we want the answer to something even that will resist because that's just you can't help once you open your phone they're like oh i have a text message i'm gonna check that so like even if right. someone's like what was that movie that chris pratt was in yeah. we will try to not answer that question not pull the phone out because um, it's just so easy to fall into that trap of oh i have this little device in my pocket that tells me everything i want to know or maybe we have a really interesting conversation where we don't have the answers. And because we don't have the answers, we have to keep building off of that scenario and move from there. So that's something that we're very dead. I think even when we're driving our car, you know, if one of us is driving, I think the other one is sensitive to how much they're sitting there on the phone, because then it feels like driving Miss Daisy, you know, and like if we're going to be together. And the movie didn't hold up well. If you watch it now, I don't think that you, oh. I think that there would be a lot of race stuff that you would find conflicted. It's just yeah, not a timeless, it's not a timeless movie. That that's not a good statement. No, your analogy was great, but I just wanted to chime in that I think <laughs> that did not hold up well. Okay. Anyway, but yes, true. <laughs> so I, I think we're both very hypersensitive to, I, I mean, that's something with all my friendships too. If someone's yeah. on their phone, it makes me insane. I, I really, 
and I've improved a lot. It was something that I used to be on my phone much more years ago. And I have since been hypersensitive to the amount of time that I give it. I only am really addicted to my phone when I'm by myself. Yeah. It's probably when I spend the most time wasting life. <laughs> it's been by myself. Yeah. I relate to that too. I want to switch gears and ask each of you some individual questions. Catherine, I'll, I'll start with you. You have this wonderful talk that you gave for Mind Body Green a couple of years ago that I'll never forget. You talk about body image and your experiences with it. It was so wonderful. So first of all, thank you. And I really want to talk about this with, with both of you, each of you. We talk about body image on this podcast every week because of my relationship to it and just all of our relationship to it as people and especially as women. And I usually frame this question as, you know, do you ever still have what I call bad body image moments, moments that you are feeling insecure about your, it can be your physical body and shape or just, you know, something about you physically. How do you shift out of that? And so they don't become, you know, a bad body image day or take over your life with the negative thoughts. I would love if Catherine, you can speak about that in terms of the talk that you gave. And then Kate, I would love for you to speak about it too, in your experience. Yeah. I mean, to answer your question, absolutely. I think every day there's probably at least one moment where I feel bad about my body. And I think when people talk about infusing positive body image issues, it's not the top of a mountain. It's not like if you keep climbing, you're going to get there. And it's this destination. It is a, a daily, daily work to find the mental space to be content in your meat suit, as I call it. And I, I think there's just waves, waves I go through where for whatever reason, I feel really negative about myself. And it doesn't even necessarily mean like, oh, I put on weight. It's just, it could be emotionally where I am in my life. And so it's, it's become a daily concerted effort to not get caught up in the stories that I, I tell myself. And when I really step away from these stories, realizing how ludicrous they can be. And I honestly think being in a relationship with another woman has been really helpful for me because I've never been in a relationship with someone who is as outwardly outspoken about feeling uncomfortable in their body as I have felt internally. And so it's made me hypersensitive to how I speak about myself out loud because I never want to set the example for speaking ill to Kate. You know, I, I want to behave in a way that's going to help her feel good in her body. And I know if I just sit there and bitch about how I feel, like that's just allowing us to have this negative spiral about the way that we speak. And, and I think what I've been doing lately too is, you know, a lot of it is I'm getting older and I, it's not, I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to change the way I eat. Do I need to do this? It's like making peace with the fact that my body is changing as my life changes and years go by. And it's a combination of, I really look at, am I physically in shape? Am I strong? Can I do the things with my body that I want to do with my body? And if the answer is yes, and I'm still not 100% pleased with the, the physical aesthetic of my body, that's when I know like, you know what, this is just what your body wants to look like. And it's performing and doing everything that you wanted to do. And you were strong. And that's what matters. And if I still don't feel good after that, like I've, my lower belly is kind of in the past couple of years been this mysterious no man's land where shit happens and I just don't understand what's happening and why it's changing and what it's doing. So I've nicknamed my lower belly Pepe, Pepe Le Pooch. And it's like a, it's a little love name for it. So instead of getting angry at 
my lower belly, I just call Pepe Le Pooch. And then I'm like, oh, you're cute, Pepe Le Pooch. And it, it kind of switches up this really negative approach and turns it into something that feels like comedic and sweet and loving and embracing of where I'm at. Mm, I love that. Kate, what is the question? How do I feel about my body? How do I? Yeah, if you could just speak on your experience with with body image over the years and kind of where you are with it now in your life. And, you know, if you have any moments where you feel insecurity related to body image, what are your techniques for shifting out of that? Well, because of my, like my sports background and I come from a very like numbers place about my body, you know, it's like when, when you play basketball growing up, it's like, I'm going to the gym, I'm shooting 200 shots, you know, I'm shooting 50 at this spot and you count them, right? You're like, I made, you know, 41 out of 50. I'm very numbers oriented. And, and I've often always been that way about my body. And it's not just like, I'm going to weigh it. And then I'm going to also calculate what I've eaten and like what that calorie intake has been. Like, that's kind of how I've always, it's been less, how do I feel in my body? And like, what are the numbers telling me about my body? I mean, to the point where I think, I remember meeting a writer I really admired for Sports Illustrated when I was like maybe 17 at Colorado. And he was like telling me about how disciplined he was with like the words he wrote, right? Because there's a numbers thing too. You're like, I'm going to write 500 words today or 800 words today. And he was like, every day I go to the gym and I weigh myself. And let's say he weighs 170. I don't remember what he weighed. And if I weigh 172, I stay in the gym until I can get back on the scale and I weigh 170. And like that always kind of stuck with me because that's kind of how I operated for a while was if I got on the scale and it was like two to three pounds heavier than normal, then I would like go to the gym and I wouldn't drink water before I would get back on the scale so that I could see the number that I wanted reflected back to me. Now, Catherine tells me all this is less than healthy. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I think it was like a year ago, she didn't demand that we get rid of the scale, but was like you know, I just don't think it's healthy that you're going to weigh yourself every morning. And so we did get rid of it. And now I'm trying to go more by how I feel rather than what the numbers tell me, but it's, but it's hard for me. Like if I go to a hotel room and you know, it's like one out of every 20 hotel rooms might have a scale. And I'm like, why do they have a scale in there? But then the scale is like this taunting mechanism where I'm like, well, I don't have one at home. Maybe I should just check in because like, what if it's so much higher than I think then I should, you know, then I can go to the gym for seven hours and like <laughs> get the number back down. And again, that, that is more of like the numerical relationship that I have with my body. But from the emotional standpoint, I mean, I don't actually know who might have more like of a constant ticker tape stream of like, you're fat, you're fat, you're fat. Then like, between the two of us, that's probably up for debate because I think I... I don't know if it's like I was a fat kid and then like basketball, it's like something you do with your body and like coaches weigh you and you talk about calorie intake and all that, but it's like this constant and I want to control it because I know it's a constant. But so if I feel good about my body, I'll think about it less and having that control over it is important to me. Whereas Catherine's trying to get me to be okay with my body rather than my constant mechanism for handling being to control it down to where I don't think about it. And that's a battle I think we actually have a lot Mm -hmm. is she wants me to be just comfortable with my body because she's like, because it's a great body. It's a beautiful body. And I'm more like, 
no, if I'm not feeling great in it, I'm going to like go on a cleanse for three days and then I'm going to feel better about my body. And that will make me feel better rather than you trying to change my mindset to be okay with where I'm at. Which then worries me because I'm afraid the image of her body that she thinks is attractive is something that is ultimately unhealthy. And I don't want to be supporting that for her. Yeah. And I feel like the control element too is like, how much control do we really have of our, of our bodies? You know, we're all aging and we're all like, it's always a slippery slope of like, after you do the one cleanse, it's like, I, this is, I'm speaking from my own personal experience of eating disorders and all of the things of, you know, going down the very slippery slope of what is enough and through the media and through all of these things that, that society tells us. So it's just, it's all so complicated. And I, I like having these conversations about it. Yeah. I think also when I see people who, you know, have these idealistic bodies and whatever idealistic is because it's different for everyone, but just in terms of Hollywood general media that has been shoved down our throats for years. Like I don't see those people being happy. I see them being quote unquote beautiful and, you know, wearing stuff that they feel like they look great in, but just the amount of effort, especially as you get older, that goes into looking a certain way there's just so much sacrifice and I'm not interested in sacrificing my life and enjoyment and happiness to have an aesthetic. Like that's just not what I want my life to be about. And so I think a lot of it is reframing what beauty is so that we can learn to feel beautiful and feel happy at the same time. Yes. Yes. Preach. I love all of that. Okay. So Kate, you wrote a wonderful book last year called What Made Maddie Run. Could you talk about that project and what the process of of writing it was like and how it was received being out in the world now for about a year? So that project first started as a magazine article for ESPN and for ESPNW that we published, I think a year after Maddie's death. So Maddie, Madison Holleran was a young runner athlete who was a freshman at the University of Pennsylvania and she was a track and field athlete and by all outward appearances like beautiful the way our, you know our culture traditionally defines that white from a solid family obviously had an Ivy League school like a state champion athlete and she ended up taking her own life during the beginning of her second semester at Penn and so the magazine article and the book try to examine the myriad variables that were at play that that led to this outcome when it came to Maddie. And in a lot of ways we felt and and still feel like Maddie's story is very exemplary of what's going on with young people today with rates of anxiety and depression and suicidal thought rising. And so the book tries to break down like the technology, social media aspects that are at play that are changing the brains of our young people and the perception that they have of each other. A lot of the cultural issues at play where, you know, kids have different coping mechanisms, fewer coping mechanisms than they used to. You know, we don't let our kids, you know, play outside free range the way we used to. So the book tries to look at all of these factors And it's like all books, I guess your end goal is that it finds the audience that it's meant to find, whatever that audience is. And that audience hopefully is the group of people who need that book. And so I do, you know, I think the book has found that audience of a lot of young people have read it, which is very rewarding because getting young people to read a book is, is not a small feat. So it's been one of the the best experiences because it feels like 
one of those projects that has given people who didn't have a voice before to explain to their parents or their loved ones or, or whoever is listening, how they have, how they feel. And, um, a lot of people have used from what they, they email me, you know, they've used that book as a way to open a door to a conversation with the people around them to explain, you know, what's going on in their lives. So that has been very rewarding. That's so cool. I'm, it's such an amazing project and I'm so happy that you created something like that, that can do that and start conversations in that way. Was writing it in the process of that emotional for you? You know, I think, I think the people around me were worried that it would be emotional and it was an emotional in a lot of ways, like sitting with the parents and the family, like Maddie's parents and family, like that's, that's a hard thing to do. Obviously nowhere near as hard it is for them to have loved Maddie. And I'm blessed that for the most part, my, I don't, have depression that runs in my family. I don't, suicidal ideation is not something I've ever dealt with. Certainly have anxiety, like I think a lot of people do. So the process of the book more than anything was for me really eye-opening about what people's brains are like and what their experiences are like. And, you know, I think it's really easy to get caught up in like, this is how my brain works and this is how my brain processes the world. And that must be how everyone else feels. And working on this book just gave me such a vastly different viewpoint about how people actually experience the world. And yes, I guess for some people, maybe that could have been like a, a trip down a dark path. But more than anything, it feels like I'm more, I ended up in a place where I'm like, I understand people better and I'm more connected to so many different varying experiences. So for me, it was, there was so much positive that came out of the book that far outweighed, you know, whatever dark corners I had to peek into to try to bring Maddie's story to life. Mm, Yeah. That makes so much sense. Well, I'm so glad that, that that project exists and, and that you got to make it and it was a generally good experience for you. Yes. Okay. So this is a hard right from, from that. This is taking a bit of a turn, but I'm going to end with our quick fire questions that I always ask. So two, these two are individual for each of you. And then the rest are for both of you. So Catherine, what is your favorite yoga pose and favorite yoga pose to do? And then also to teach favorite yoga pose is handstand favorite yoga pose to teach. Oddly enough, probably Ashtavakrasana. And what was the final one to do teach? And what is Ashtavakrasana? Yeah. And that was both. Ashtavakrasana is eight point pose. It's an arm balance where the legs swing out to the side, your arms are in a push up, and the Mm. angles are crossed. Oh, I know, I can picture it. And you remember our our dog is named Ashi, which is a nickname of Ashtanga, and Ashtanga is the eight limbs of yoga. So they're all kind of related. Oh, cool. Okay, Kate, favorite basketball position and favorite team to watch? Do you mean position to play or like move on the basketball court? I meant position to play. I was a shooting guard. And so I relate and I saw the game through the, like the guard position as opposed to kind of a back to the basket player. So I tend to understand, although the world of the NBA for any listeners who like basketball, it's like it's evolving so much that there's less point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward. And there's really kind of just wings and, power players now because you've got so many, you know, seven foot people who can shoot three pointers, which is nothing that you would have seen 30 years ago. So, but for me, I like, I relate more to kind of the, the Curry 
viewpoint of the court. And then I forgot the second part of the question. Favorite team to watch? So I grew up uh, obsessed with the Knicks, the New York Knicks in the 90s. And that's really probably the peak of like my just 82 games a year. That's how many they play in the NBA, pregame, postgame. I mean, I just watched it all. I wish I could capture some version of that passion and enthusiasm again for a team. It's just hard as you, especially when you work in an industry where you see the machinations behind the scenes and like it it does change a little bit of just the unbridled enthusiasm for sports. And probably nobody feels as passionate about team allegiances as they do when they're 12. (laughs) Right now, the thing that I love the most is soccer and World Cup soccer. And, you know, Catherine could, I think we talked about this on the podcast too. Like there is no team right now, like of the four major sports and, or I'll add five there when it comes to like the WNBA or even like women's soccer, like that I'm going to tune in to see every night. The only thing that to me that's appointment viewing is soccer, World Cup soccer, European soccer, because it's just like this new frontier. And I really enjoy learning it. And I don't know how it works, even though I can guess because I've seen how the NBA works and the NFL works, but because I haven't seen it firsthand, I can pretend that they just all play for the love of the game. Mm. Yeah. Do you still play basketball? No, it's, I mean, I love shooting, going and shooting like well, every like probably few months I'll be like, let's go shoot the basketball. Cause I, it's, it's nice to be reminded of when you do something well, you're like, oh yeah, I was really good at this, but it's not great for my body. I have a really bad lower back. And so a lot of what I do now is like non-impact because pretty much every time I go for a run now, I will have to call Catherine and get like the heating pad out. So that's, you know, basketball is a tough game to play as you get older. Although my my dad managed to play until he was 60. So that was very good, but not me. Okay, so these questions are going to be for, for both of you. So what is the best thing you each of you have eaten in the last week? You don't have to come to a consensus, but... Pizza from a new restaurant in downtown Charleston called Melty's. Ooh, yeah, there's, that's, that's an accurate statement. It's called the Stretch Armstrong. It's like a really good marinara pizza, but with some like stracciatelle on it. Am I saying that word right? Mm-hmm. Really good creamy mozzarella on it. And the, the, mar- the marinara is what makes it like you could, you could not have the cheese on it and it would still be delicious. Mm, now I want pizza. <laughs> Favorite place you've ever traveled to together? Santorini, Greece. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's like the most beautiful adventure place we've gone together. I'm trying to, I'm just like, we have traveled a lot. But that's probably the one. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just, I'm just thinking through. I know. Question optimizing. Yeah. (laughs) What's your, I know you like lists, Kate. What are your top three tips for traveling as couples? Compression socks. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if this is like a couples (laughs) thing. Uh. Okay. So the thing that Catherine and I always do when we fly together is we agree to watch the same movie and then we started at the same time. And I don't know if this like makes us feel closer together or like we're experiencing it together, but we really go like, all right, so we're going to watch, or we haven't seen Tomb Raider, right? Like the new team, Tomb Raider. So like, are we going to watch that? And then we go one, two, three, play. And then if somebody has to get up and pee, we go one, two, three, pause. And it makes me feel closer to Catherine on our little plane ride. Like we're in a little cocoon together. I love that. So that's one. I mean, you know, and then like the, the thing that makes traveling with someone, I don't know that you can totally have tips 
because mm-hmm. it really comes down to like, is your partner an asshole traveler or not? Are they the kind of person who's going to like be rude and get really frazzled really quickly because nothing goes right with traveling. It's very rare that your TSA line is going to be easy and that there might not be a few minute delay and that like something's going to happen on the plane. And like some people just can't handle that stuff. And it's hard to be with someone who can't deal with the ups and downs of traveling. Luckily, Catherine and I both are like almost literally professional travelers and we are good at it together. And that's really enjoyable because then you can see it as like this adventure you're on and this private moment that you can have all together rather than a disaster. And then also like then isolating from one another because of the way people are handling the negatives of traveling. Yeah. I think it's such a bonding experience traveling regardless. And yeah, I love those. Thanks for the positive reinforcement. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So you're both fabulous writers and speakers, which is evident in the podcast. Do you have any tips for public speaking and routines or habits and tips for writing? Both of those? Both of them are the same in that you just have to Carve do them. Carve out time every day. Yeah. yeah. And Look, don't wait to be genius. Just do it. Yeah. Like public speaking is there's almost no one who's not crazy nervous the first time they do it. And then hopefully continue. Or the 50th time. Yeah. And then I mean, every single time I public speak, if there's not some hum of nervous energy, then I'm a little worried because then my system's not booted enough to like be present and kind of kick ass the way you need it to. So it's like, like everything, if you're scared of public speaking, like you just, you have to do it. And if you're lucky enough to be given an opportunity to do it, you should seize it because it's one of those things that if you do it well, it gives you that kind of buzz that it's hard to get anywhere else. Mm, Yeah. And as writers, I wrote this book about journaling and that's something that helps me with my stress and anxiety. Do either of you journal or process your experience through writing? And, you know, what are some of your other ways you handle stress or anxiety? I've journaled much less since Kate's come into my life because now I just basically talk about everything with her instead of journaling about it. So I I do way more verbal processing Mm -hmm. and I used to do much more processing through my writing, but a lot of it gets fused into how I teach and whatever I'm dealing with will transform into a topic or a theme that I'll translate into a talk or a class. Yeah. I mean, same here in that I don't journal every night the way like you would traditionally think of journaling, but almost, I mean, I've written one memoir, the what made Maddie run book is interjected with essays that are first person. I've done a lot of stuff for ESPN about certain experiences that I was processing. So I certainly use writing as a way to process life, but not in that kind of like daily ritual way. Mm -hmm. Okay. The name of this podcast is let it out. So what does that, that mean to you? Is there anything that you wish that I would have asked that you love talking about or anything that you want to share that's really present for you guys right now? I just to reiterate, I appreciate the fact that we talked about helping and inspiring people through just raw honesty. And even when it makes you feel slightly uncomfortable is just saying things how they are instead of a glossy version that is easier to look good in. So I think that's just a good takeaway for people to, even if it feels uncomfortable to say it out loud, that often that's going to influence someone in ways that you don't realize. Yeah. And I think that buried beneath the the statement of like, let it out is like, you have to understand what you want to let out. 
and what you've noticed about the world and what has reverberated with you enough that you can then go communicate that stuff. And I think that's kind of like the hard work of that I've learned is like that process of finding that what you notice about the world is going to be very different than what anyone else can notice about the world. And you have to cultivate that voice, you know, quote unquote voice, but also doesn't have to be like, doesn't necessarily have to be like writing or music or anything like that. It's just simply, I think a lot of people let these like vibrations of thought pass through them instead of like pausing and saying, what does that mean? And how does, does that have something to do with how I process the world? And so I think really even mining that about what you notice is really key too. not just like, not just letting it out, but what do you want to let out? And what do you feel like is relevant to who you are? Mm, thank you so much. Thank you guys both so much. We always end with a, a letting out a deep sigh. So can we do that together? Sure. Okay. Ready? <laughs> Inhale. <sighs> Feels a little bit better. Okay. Thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right. That was my episode with Catherine and Kate. Obviously, I didn't have as much time with them as I would have wanted to. And I would have wanted to have a whole day with them, maybe two or three. But, you know, we had a really great power hour of conversation. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. Check out their podcast, Free Cookies. It's a delight. And speaking of podcasting, if you want to start a podcast, you know where to go. I'm your girl. I can help you. Email me. Let me know check out let a podcast out also if you want to hang out great let's do it i'm going to be teaching a workshop a sleepover at kerpalu it is a retreat center with ayurvedic food and yoga and massages it's a wellness wonderland of a place i'm gonna be there on new year's eve my boyfriend nick's gonna come with me i think you should come too it's a retreat over the holiday where we're going to remix your resolutions, change your relationship to the new year and setting goals. And we're going to talk about journaling and feeling your feelings. And I've been planning some of the activities that we're going to be doing. And I'm just really, really excited. It would be really cool if you want to come. I've been getting a lot of questions on, should I bring my partner? Should I bring my friend? Should I bring my mom? Yes, bring them all. And if you want to come on your own, I've been getting questions on that too. Do I need to know someone? No. Bring your friends or don't or come on your own. You'll make friends. But I would love to see you there. If you do want to sign up for that, if you already know, no rush, of course. But if you do know you want to come, you might as well sign up by the end of the week or at least by October 20th, if you're listening to this the day it comes out, because I have a discount code for you to use the code October 20 to save 20% off of the ticket before October 20th. So if you already know you wanna come, might as well use that code and save a little bit of money. If not, you can sign up later, no biggie. I love you guys, thank you so much for listening. Please support the podcast if you like it by leaving a review on iTunes. It helps out a lot, more than you know. And share this episode with a friend, anyone who you think would find it interesting, entertaining, useful. Share it. And support the sponsors. Carev has been with me since the beginning. Check them out. I love their products so much. And man, Altera Pure is our new sponsor. They are organic bedding. I already talked about them. You heard it. 
but wow, I really, really, really love their bedding. I'm gonna go get in bed right now and I'm more excited than ever because I climb in these crisp, crisp is the word, like they're so crisp and the packaging and I just want you to try them so we can gush about them together. I'm obsessed with these sheets. I'm talking about, I'm doing ads for them even when I'm not podcasting. Like I'm doing IRL ads on the street, basically. I'm telling all my friends about them because I'm excited about these sheets. Oh, they'd be a great holiday gift. You can get 15% off by using the code Let It Out. All right, I'm gonna let you guys go, but I will talk to you next week. But first, the emoji that you can message on Instagram or comment on Instagram on my latest post, tag Catherine and Kate and, and their free cookies show. It's the cookie, it's the chocolate chip cookie, which is on their standard cookie list. Tell us what your favorite cookie is and tweet at us that emoji and I'll talk to you next week. Love you guys. Bye.